Welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan, and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society, we tasted through the old particular line from Douglas Lang. Douglas Lang sources hogsheads from many different distilleries and then does very limited releases of what they think is some of the best private label whiskeys in the world. We had brand ambassador in the house, Jan Beckers, a Belgian. Is he from Belgium? Yes. They tasted us through their Glen Goyne 10-year, the Akatoshan 20, the Altabane 21-year, which is a primary ingredient in Chivas Regal Blend, Cameron Bridge 25, and Bowmore 20. It was a night to be remembered. We hope that you listen and enjoy responsibly. Cheers. So how did you get, you come from Belgium. How did you get into whiskey and how you, you worked in Scotland at a distillery. Like, tell us your story a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people think, oh, a Belgium, he, he must be very fond of beers. And that's when I always explain, two hands, you must have a balance, one for beer, one for whiskey. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, it was thanks to my older brothers and brothers-in-law that introduced me to spirits at a gentle age of 16. By the way, that's legal in Belgium. <laughs> and uh, I got uh, interested in single malt whiskey. So we're talking mid-1980s. Just to give you an idea how old I'm actually, I'm, I know I'm better looking, uh, but <laughs> with alcohol is a preservative. Um, but... Um, yeah, I discovered single malt whiskey, uh, studying engineering at the time, and uh, wanted to learn more and wanted to work in a production process. And wanted to study a lot less. Right? Uh, that, that happened later on. Uh, so I applied for a production job that turned me down because it was too short a period. And that was at Nokando Distillery. Uh, but I ended up working as a guide at uh, Glenfiddich Distillery. Did that for six summers, uh, got the bug, and then I was lucky enough that at some point there was a, a post available at Douglas Lane. And that's now 10 years ago that I'm with Douglas Lane. Douglas Lane is originally a blending company. Uh, we started in 1948 as a, as a whiskey blender. And it was Fred Douglas Lane that founded the company. And now as a blender, he originally bought a single malt, single grain mature stock uh, that he could use straight away. Uh, and then over time, he would have older stock to make more older blends uh, for King of Scots blended whiskey, uh, mainly for export to the Far East and uh, South America. Uh, but then in the mid-90s, uh, that market completely dropped. And uh, just shows of you many millions of people could be totally wrong. It's <laughs> true. And we were having some uh, financial issues there because there was no demand of our products. Uh, but we noticed that uh, at that time, end of the 1990s, uh, in Europe, they were discovering single malt whiskey. Um, so as a blender, uh, we had stocks of maturing casks. So we decided to start making a selection uh, to bottle these casks as single malt whiskey. Slightly different than the original bottlings. Um, so rather than vetting together several casks of the same distillery, we went for the one cask only. Bottled them at natural color. Now, as you'll see from the first whiskey, uh, that can be quite pale. And a, a lot of people still think that the darker the whiskey is, the older it is, and the better it's going to be. We're trying to undo that myth as yeah. we speak. That's what we're here for. So we weren't quite sure that people were going to like that light whiskey, so we, we cheated. And, 
and put the bottle, put the whiskey in green bottles. So you couldn't see the color. But as we noticed that people got more and more educated, like you say here, what you're doing here, so we, yeah, we started to use clear bottles. And also, we didn't want to chill filter the whiskey. Uh, so we kept them always at higher strength, 4 to 6% or more. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> um, so tell us about this first mark. Uh, Evan and I will come and start to pass this around. Now, this is 10-year-old, I can't even read, Glen Goyne. Glen Goyne, yes. So, so we're guys, starting in the Highlands. Now, are you buying just single barrels, or are you guys, um, you know, buying several barrels and doing, like, limited bottlings? Or how do you, how do you guys do your purchasing? Well, the majority of our stock will be bought as new make spirit. Um, reason for that, and that's even in the time of uh, Fred Douglas Ling, um, he wanted to be sure that the stock was available for the future. Also, the distilleries have more flexibility to supply you more new make spirit. If you're asking for more mature stock, they might need it themselves, and they can't offer you more mature stock. So if you're buying new, more new make spirit, uh, then yeah, they're happy to help you out, certainly, because it's very good for the cash flow. Thanks. If you guys aren't familiar, New Make is basically what in America we call moonshine, so it's unaged whiskey. But I, I didn't know that. That's an interesting point. I always thought of, like, the private labels usually buying barrels of aged whiskey. Of the whiskey, mature whiskey, And then, yes. like, blending maybe a couple or maybe just releasing one barrel at a time. But you guys are buying, like, a, 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 how much of this New Make are you buying at a time? Um... It depends from distillery to distillery. It depends on how much they have available for us. But there's different levels where we can obtain the whiskey. So majority of the stock that we obtain will be new make unmatured whiskey in cask. Uh, so the, the distillery supplies us with the cask. Um, some distilleries uh, supply us the spirit and we have to supply the cask ourselves. So that gives us the opportunity to get fresh casks, whether it's uh, Spanish sherry casks uh, from Juan Pino in Spain, uh, which will give the, the very dark whiskies more nutty flavors, more chocolatey flavors, uh, or we'll get uh, ex-bourbon barrels through Speyside Cooperage uh, up north in Scotland. Uh, so then the distilleries will fill our casks, and we know, okay, these are fresh for the future. We can use them for younger whiskies. Uh, we don't have to wait as long uh, to have a big effect on the whiskey. Um, another source is what we call brokers. They do the same like us. They buy new make spirit from different distilleries, uh, leave it to mature, and then sell it back to the industry. Uh, whether it is to blenders, whether it is to independent bottlers like us. Uh, and sometimes when the distillery is, uh, has shorter the Shortages. Need a more dram. Um, <laughs> we can start drinking whenever you want. I don't yeah. think anyone's going to object. Um, they might sell back to the distillery itself. And uh, another opportunity, and that's a great thing about the whiskey industry, is that we all know each other. Um, probably, uh, certainly when you go to Isla, uh, one brother works at Beaumont, then your cousin works at Lagavulin, and your niece... Uh, is a distillery manager uh, at Kalila, for example. And uh, everybody knows everybody, and we're always trying to help out everybody. Um, so if somebody is looking for something and you've got plenty of it, and they might have something interesting that's good for you, you might do swaps with mature whiskey. Selling mature stock is becoming less and less, and that's where we've got our advantage. We've got stocks, our 
of ourselves between zero years old, not whiskey yet, and whiskey that's over 55 years old. And when they are maturing, we'll decide how we're going to use them. We'll, some of it will go into blended whiskey. Uh, some of it will be used in what we call vatted malts, a blend of just single malt whiskey. And some of it will mature for a longer period of time and be bottled as single cask. So you have your own dunnage site? You have your own rack houses with no, maturing? No, the stock is all over Scotland. Okay, so they just, uh, they'll be like, yeah. these are the Douglas Lang barrels over here. Nobody touch these. They, mm -hmm. They're already paid for. Leave them alone. Yep. Yeah. How can you trust them? They're drinking your whiskey. I know they are. Question over there? <laughs> so they're mature on site? Um, well, they're, they're either at the distillery or, but e even big whiskey companies don't always have room to mature all the whiskey at that distillery. Uh, so they have more centralized warehouses. For example, Kalila Distillery, uh, all the spirit is basically put in a tanker, shipped to the mainland, and then filled into barrels uh, in the center of Scotland. Uh, so it's not maturing uh, on Isla. Well, beautiful. So this is the 10-year-old Glen Goyne. Now, uh, what are we looking for in this one here? Most of the, the official bottlings from Glengoyne Distillery, one way or the other, have a sherry influence. And if you look at the color here, uh, this is almost as clear as water. Um, it's matured in a, what we call a refill hog set. So it's a, an ex-bourbon barrel. When they are shipped over to Scotland, they'll be dismantled and then put back together in Scotland. Uh, but you use more staves to make a bigger cask, and that's what we call a hogshead. So it's ex-bourbon cask wood, but slightly bigger cask. And um, so it's a cask that has been used a couple of times, hence the, the little color, and it's mostly the porosity of the wood that ha has worked to soften, to make the, the, the spirit rounder, and you maintain the fresh fruitiness of the original spirit of the distillery. So stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and, and think about what food words come to mind. Now, he said fruity. Now, we all know there's a million kinds of fruits, so what, what are you getting? You know, like, is it, a, is it a melon? Is it a lemon? Is it a cherry? I mean, what kind of fruit? Cantaloupe? Lemon peel. Raspberry lemon syrup? That's awesome. So, I, I, this is... This is some upper proof. To me, to me, I stick my nose in the glass and there's an astringency. This is like mm -hmm. some high proof. So what, what is this proof yeah, that on this says that uh, 48.4%. So for our younger whiskies, uh, that's a, the drinking strength that we prefer. So this is slightly reduced. Uh, can I have a look at the bottle? Yeah, here? yeah, pass it around. Uh, don't help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she might, she might. So tap it over your tongue. How does that change? Sometimes the nose might lead you in one direction, the tongue will tell you something else. So allow that surprise to occur. Yeah. Like cherry Coke. Almost. Cherry Coke. Wow. Hold on. Mm. Do you go more to the red fruit than the caramel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. And yeah, Coke has that acidity as well, balanced with the sweetness. So your acidity is her lemon. And that's a great thing about these things. Some people pick up the same thing but describe it in a different way, and then other people are more sensitive for certain aromas than others. Um, so yes, you can have a discussion, but in the end, everybody's right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting like cherry and then like a butter cookie kind of thing. Really nice. So now in this one though, the 10 year, 
Do you know how many liters you actually got out of that? That yes, uh, it shows on the bottle. Uh, so it gave us a total of 360 bottles. Wow. Um, so very, very limited release. Yes. Some really rare whiskey, and it's not that expensive. That's yeah. really, really quite remarkable. All right, we're going to come around with a super old whiskey now. And I'll come around, and this is... Akintoshin. Akintoshin 20-year from Old Particular. Now, uh, and is this used bourbon, or is this sherry cask? Uh, this is again, is a, it's an ex-bourbon cask, a, a refill hog set. Uh, had more time in the cask. Uh, another big difference between Glengoyne and Ochentoshen is that Ochentoshen distills everything three times. Uh, while Glengoyne, everything is only distilled uh, two times. So at Ochentoshen Distillery, you distill to a higher alcohol percentage, uh, to about 80% instead of 70%. Uh, gives you more purity but it's the impurities that gives you more character. So the original spirit of Glengoyne is a bit more powerful than the spirit of Ochentoshen, but here the cask has given more flavor, more character to your whiskey. And Ochentoshen is, is not that far from Glasgow, Glasgow being a port city that's more closely related to Irish style of whiskey. They share a lot of similarities, like that triple distillation is more of an Irish whiskey thing. So a little bit more of an Irish yeah. style than that, yeah. that bolder, just double pasta. Now, if you whiskey. go back to the 19th century, um, uh, the, 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 that's the time when distilleries in Scotland started to uh, develop, uh, develop exponentially. And um, yeah, that region of, of Scotland had a lot of Irish immigrants working in the growing industry in Glasgow. Uh, and also Irish whiskey was kind of the reference of a high quality whiskey because it was so pure, so light and so accessible. Beautiful. So stick your nose in this glass, guys. Tell me what you're experiencing. No wrong answers. It's like a light almond cookie. Light almond cookie. Delicious. I hop. I hop? <laughs> oh, did they mop the floor today or not? <laughs> it's a good, a good, nice, clean I hop. So, like when it's 3 a.m. So pancakes, <laughs> pancakes, butter, syrup, maple syrup. Yeah, as a Belgian, I can see the waffles and the syrup coming through and the pancakes. I get a strong citrus though too. I get like an orange. Shortbread, yeah. For, for me, the orange is more like a candied orange zest, like kind of sugar crystallized around the orange zest. Beautiful. Yeah, tap it over your tongue. What else happens? What else? It's got a great mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. You notice the texture on that, so that, that triple distillation, I think it has an effect on the texture. It feels like it's very soft, smooth mouthfeel. Yeah, it's kind of covering your whole palate. It's quite thick, and for me, it's got this um, caramelized peaches Ooh. with a bit of thyme coming through. That's delicious. What do you guys think of that Akatosh and 20-year? Really nice, right? When I... When I started at Douglas Lang, uh, now we, we often taste together. Uh, myself, Fred Lang, his daughter, Kara, and his son-in-law, Chris. Um, but we've got a rule that for, for every year the whiskey is in the cask, keep it one second on your palate. So it gives your, the whiskey, gives your palate the time to uh, adjust to the strength of the whiskey, because this is at 51.5%. Uh, and also, the whiskey kind of dilutes on your palate, so it opens up and gives more, uh, becomes more gentle. 
Um, and I remember uh, kind of in the first couple of weeks that I joined Douglas Lane 10 years ago, uh, Fred came into my office with a sample of 45-year-old whiskey. And he said, Jan, this is something really special. We need to taste this together. So he poured us a glass and uh, it immediately showed the difference in experience between myself and by that time I had worked uh, in the industry for about 10 years and Fred who's been working with whiskey for over 40 years. So that's a Fred, the second generation Fred. Uh, so while we are sitting there with a mouthful of whiskey, 45 years old, 45 seconds on our palate, Fred would talk at the same time and describe his experience. He does it with a more kind of Sean Connery accent uh, with his <laughs> mouthful of whiskey. Now, I thought it was quite rude not to join in that conversation. <laughs> and with my mouthful of whiskey, I started talking, but quickly noticed I had too much whiskey in my mouth. <laughs> and uh, within that first month, I didn't want to spit all that whiskey in my boss's face. Uh, so I quickly shut my mouth. Uh, unfortunately, the whiskey found another way out through my nose. <laughs> and I can tell you, cast-strength whiskey, even if it is 45 years old, it slightly stings. <laughs> but it redefines the nosing and tasting. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a good point. If you ever like feel like your tongue is just too exhausted, just pour it in your nose. No problem. <laughs> it's doable. That was, that was the <laughs> right. So what's the bottle price on this one for a 20-year-old single malt scotch? One thirty to one fifty for a 20-year-old. That is cheap for 20-year-old whiskey and from that's the Lowlands. Only 266 bottles. Wow. So very specific, very beautiful. Yeah. And now we're going to taste. Whiskey from a distillery that I've never even heard of before. How do you even say this word? What is the name of this distillery? Well, it's a, it's a Gallic name, and uh, somebody told me uh, it's Altavenia. Altavenia. But uh, most people around the world say Altavenia. Altavenia. Where is this distillery located? It's right in the heart of Speyside. So how far from Dufftown there? Uh, it's just about half an hour drive south of Dufton, between between Dufton and Tomintow. So as a as a single malt, Altavenia is generally used in blending. Do you know uh, which blend this goes into? Do uh, it's it probably it goes in there as well, but it's a um, a Shivers uh, oh, distillery. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of, this is really cool because normally this wouldn't be bottled as a standalone whiskey. Most of the single malts that we experience in this room, you know, only 20 years ago wouldn't be available. They would have only been in blends. It's more of a, in the last 20 years that some of these single malts have started to come to market in the United States. But this, yeah, I've never had this as yeah. a standalone whiskey. But that's it, the, the advantage of an independent bottler, we don't create a brand called Alta Bean. Our brand is old particular, and we want to offer a big diversity of different styles, different distilleries. Uh, while for Shivers, um, they have the, the, the big distilleries, whether it is Stratila, uh, Glenlivet, Abalaura. Um, they, they focus on those whiskies um, to bottle as single malts and to develop them at different ages. Uh, while Alta Bean was kind of the workhorse, the, the, the spirit that 
would be used almost 100% uh, in blended whiskey. Now, at the same time, they start to appreciate that variation as well. And I think in the, in the Ballantines range, uh, they've offered a couple of those unknown single malts, but in very small quantities, uh, just so you can discover them. So what is the blend that your company's still, are you still making the great, what is it called, Great Kings? Uh, the King, King of Scots. King of King, Scots. King of Scots. And that's available in Asian markets only, uh, or where it, is that? It's number five in Norway, for example. Number five in uh, Norway, quality. Uh, but no, Norway is a very strange market. Well, they're very uh, happy people out there. At the moment, we don't export it to the United States. No. It goes to the Far East, Japan, China, uh, some countries in Europe. Um, so in, in that blend, the King of Scotsman, is it, what's the main, like the body whiskey for that? Uh, again, it, it's a variety of about 30 different single malt wow. whiskies uh, with quite a high malt percentage. So it's about 30% malt whiskey, 70% grain whiskey, which is quite high for a blended whiskey. And uh, it's actually quite a sweet round blended whiskey. One you can easily drink either neat on ice or if you would like to enjoy your whiskey with a mixer, uh, feel free to do that as well. We did tonight. We had a little welcome punch. It was yeah. delicious. That, that's the thing. Uh, a lot of people uh, forget that you should drink your whiskey the way you want to enjoy it. And uh, that can be different for everybody else. And also, um, climate here is slightly different than the climate in Scotland. So. We rather drink it neat if you want to drink it slightly chilled to bring it to our room temperature. Uh, then there's nothing wrong with that. So stick your nose in the glass and tell me what, what are you reminded of as you smell this whiskey? I think I'm getting like a red wine note, oddly mm -hmm. enough. What's, what's the cask on this one? Again, we're, we're still in... Uh, a refill hook set. So throughout the whole tasting, we're sticking to eggs, bourbon casks today. And this is all malt whiskey. There's no grain whiskeys here? And um, not yet. Okay. Oh, all, right. <laughs> all right. What are you getting? I have like a, like a juicy kind of, like a, not red or green, but the ones that are multicolored, like Fuji apple yeah. or something. Oh, yeah, that's good. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> all in the recording. We got it. <laughs> she pulled that flavor note from her ass, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's what she, really on the recording. <laughs> she just told me. <laughs> Tap it over your tongue. What else happens? What happens? <laughs> but I think that that fruitiness is also balanced with a kind of spicy, um, kind of old polished wood character. So a bit of beeswax coming through for me. I was almost getting like the, 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 the citrusy side of like an Anaheim pepper. Oh, that's good. I'm getting like lemon honey, but it is there is a peppery note on the finish. I think mm -hmm. that's part of that's just the proof. Yeah, for the kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Beautiful. Wow. And the 21 year, what is this one going for, Reed? We're sticking in the same price range, too. So mm -hmm. It's going to be around uh, like 150. Uh, Wow. So the general rule of thumb that I like to take into account is that if you're paying for, say, it's a 25-year-old whiskey, if you're paying less than $250 for a 25-year-old, 
I generally think that's a pretty good bargain. These are about half of that. So this is a 21-year-old whiskey that's under $150. So in my opinion, it's pretty damn good bargain. And the fact that it's really rare, these guys wouldn't take the time to put it in the bottle and go through all the trouble of getting it here and having Jan come out and sell it if they didn't think it was damn good. The trouble that it takes to put out that little amount of whiskey probably signifies that it's something of a, of a yeah. high quality. These guys are not idiots, right? Like. Yeah, uh, basically, uh, it depends how much I've been drinking. Uh, but basically, we, we try to bottle whiskey that, first of all, we want to enjoy ourselves. Uh, also, we, we always have our initial next to the tasting note, so we know who selected the cask, who picked it. Uh, so we, we've got our own kind of personal responsibility um, of, of picking good casks to be bottled as single cask, single malt whiskey. Now, not all the casks will develop in a nice way, um, but there's different opportunities to deal with that. So, if there's nothing happening, the cask has been in the, the whiskey has been in a dead cask. Um, either you leave, you, you put that cask aside and leave it for an extra 10, 15 years, because then your whiskey becomes very round and soft without the, the wood overpowering, or you're saying, right, let's put that whiskey in a different cask and send it into a different direction and closely monitor it and see how it develops. Uh, quite recently, we've done um, a whiskey in some uh, strong red wine casks from Australia. And we tried it four weeks after it was transferred into that cask. And there was a beautiful development uh, flavor-wise that would have been amazing in the future. There was just a small problem. When you look at the whiskey in the sample bottle, it looked okay, but when you pour the whiskey in a glass, it looked like you were pouring a rosé wine. <laughs> now, you can bottle whiskey in any type of color between almost as clear as water to almost as dark as Coca-Cola uh, and any shade of yellow, amber, straw, gold, in between, pink is not an official color for whiskey, even though it came naturally from the cask. So uh, we had to bottle that as quickly as possible before it turned more reddish. Um, just because the color kind of said, stop, you can't go any further. All right. Now we are going to pass around some of the... Oh, this is the uh, Cameron Bridge. Yes. Beautiful. So, Cameron Bridge, where is this distillery? Uh, Cameron Bridge is uh, kind of north of Edinburgh. Highlands, lowlands, it doesn't really matter in this case. Uh, we've got something completely different. Uh, we're going to single grain whiskey. So grain whiskey meaning that it comes off the still at a higher proof. Uh, that's one of the differences. Uh, first difference is you use a, a mixture of cereals. Uh, so together with the malted barley, you also use, uh, we, we like to say maize, but I know you say corn, uh, either corn or wheat. And this is American corn? You guys are growing corn or are you buying this corn? Um, corn will be bought from uh, France or, or Germany. Yes, most of it. Uh, there's not that much corn production in the UK. And um, like I said, either corn or wheat, 
whatever comes cheapest, basically. Uh, and the corn and the wheat are used as a source of starch. And uh, it's the, the enzymes in your malted barley that convert the, the starch into fermentable sugar. Now then you add yeast to that sweet solution. Yeast will convert the sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas, so you're producing a beer. And while your single malt whiskey is distilled in copper pot stills. Anybody been to Scotland? Yeah, you've been to a distillery? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, single malt distillery is very beautiful to visit. Uh, all those uh, copper pot stills, certainly one of the bigger ones like Glenfiddich, it's like w almost walking into a, a church of different stills. Very spiritual, haha. -ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anybody been to a single grain distillery? Because your, your distilling process uh, is in column stills. Uh, it looks very much, and it is actually the same principle as uh, uh, petroleum refinery. Yeah, oil refinery. Yeah. And um, so the, the column still distillation is, is a continuous process. And in your column, you will decide at what stage, at what level you take off the spirit. So the higher you go, the, the more alcohol you'll get. Uh, and you'll distill to about 90% ABV. Wow. Um, so that's a 180 proof. Uh, so that's almost neutral alcohol. Now, generally, single-grain whiskey is used after three to 10 years of maturation. And uh, then it'll be mixed with different single malts. And the grain whiskey is your base. And the single malts will give more character, more flavor. But if you leave that neutral spirit in a good cask for long enough, then it's the wood that can give all the flavor to that neutral spirit. Now, this is a cask where we've got some very greedy angels. It's cask strength at 50.3%. Um, so naturally, through evaporation, through the root, uh, the whiskey has gone down uh, to that strength. So there's no water being added. But this is, uh, again, in a refill hogshead? Yeah. Yep. And then 25-year-old uh, single grain. So what are you guys getting? It smells really chocolatey to me. Chocolate, vanilla. Lilac. Lilac? Some floral. Yeah, I'm getting like uh, like cocoa, like, uh, like what you make chocolate milk out of. What? Yeah, like uh, powdered powdered chocolate. Nesquik, yeah. yeah. He said cacao. I'm just like, no, Nesquik. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys getting as you tap that over your tongue? And, and take a note of like how that different, there's a different kind of mouthfeel again with the, the higher proof going into the barrel should have a, a different effect on the structure of the whiskey in your mouth. Like cream soda. Cream soda, beautiful. Yeah. Mm. See, that, when you say cream soda, uh, when I joined Douglas Lang, uh, cream soda is not something you find in Belgium. Sure. Um, so Fred, Fred would talk about that as well, and I said, oh, I don't know what it is. So he, he asked his uh, secretary, so next time you go shopping, bring a can. We, co we call it in Scotland American cream soda, but obviously you call it just cream soda here. Um, so when I tried uh, cream soda for the first time, it, to me it tasted like custard powder uh, mixed with fizzy water. Uh, and that's... Uh, no, no, no. Um, but, but, but that's how 
how I would pick up cream soda now is like that, that vanilla sweetness and then a little bit of a tang on your, on your palate. Wow, beautiful whiskey. 25-year-old, and what is this one running? This one's gonna be under $100, yeah. about $80. $80 for a 25-year-old single-grain whiskey, that's amazing. Oh, it's really robust, it's really beautiful. So why, why the difference in price? Why, why is single malt more expensive than single-grain whiskey? First of all, it's, it's cheaper to make single-grain whiskey than it is to make single-malt whiskey. Uh, but also there's a, there's a bigger demand for single malt whiskey. A lot of people don't know single grain whiskey. There's hardly any single grain whiskey out there actually bottled by the distillery. Uh, I think the only one that's really commercialized uh, is Cameron Bridge. You, you might know the, the nice blue bottle of uh, Haig and Haig Club and Haig Clubman. Uh, but that's the very young version of Cameron Bridge. Uh, now, every, every, once I did a tasting in a football outfit uh, because you, you've got David Beckham promoting Cameron Bridge. Uh, you had another football player promoting Spade Distillery. And uh, my theory was the, the, the worse the football player, the better the whiskey. <laughs> and I'm really crap at football. <laughs> That's hilarious. Beautiful. All right, so now uh, we're going to come around with a nice final mark. Oh, this is going to be good. I yeah, can smell are, the smoke. We are heading to Isla now. So this is Bowmore 20 year. And for people who don't know Bowmore, like, you know, in the 1850s or 1890s even, like, this was considered kind of like one of the king of scotches, like one of the, the big boys of the, of the whiskey world in Scotland. Bowmore was really, really popular. And, and really well respected for what they're doing. Everybody got yeah. it? Everybody got it? If you go to the times of the prohibition, uh, those peated whiskies uh, could still get through uh, customs because everybody thought they were not drinkable because of that smoky character. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, for example, why Lafroix is so popular in the United States because it was one of the few uh, whiskies that officially could come through in the country. People thought it was for medicinal purposes? Yes, yes indeed. And sometimes we still use it for medicinal purposes. <laughs> How's it doing on your hangover there? It works for me, right? No, I've, I've... <laughs> so stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you guys reminded of here? From Isla. Pete. But you know, there's charcoal pears. That's brilliant. Band-Aids. Mm -hmm. So those phenolics, phenolics from that peat, you're going to get rubbery notes, tar, burnt things. Summer camp. All right. Oh, here it is. He's got some. He's got, got some peat with me. Light it up, Jim. Um, no, on its own, peat doesn't really smell. What, what is peat? Peat is basically compressed vegetation, uh, composted for decades, hundreds of years. The reason why they use so much peat on the island's uh, remote distilleries is they basically used local sources to dry their malted barley. So it's when you add peat in the drying process of your malt, and when it burns, it gives off all that smoke. So hopefully the fire alarm doesn't go off. Oh, I don't think it will. Now, the thing with older Isla whiskies is that the older they become, the softer they become. 
the intensity of the peat smoke will disappear. It's still here. But I remember uh, having some 30-year-old Kalila and some of our old Portellans, because we still have some stock of closed distilleries like that Cars Bridge, Car & Heat, Portellan, where, where the smokiness has totally disappeared and you're going to a, a fresh vanilla fruity character. Oh, it's very complex. I'm getting like roasted bell pepper. But there mm -hmm. is like still some vanilla coming through here and some citrus yeah. notes. For me, it's the vanilla really is kind of like burnt cookies. And the mouthfeel is just great, really beautiful, silky on the tongue. Now for me, one way to, to open up a whiskey to smell is just by putting your hand on your glass and give it a good shake. Because if you just swirl your glass, first thing that comes off is alcohol. When you give it a good shake, you get really the, the, the aroma of the whiskey coming through. Now what to do with the whiskey on your hand? Uh, you can either lick it, no waste, you can wear it as aftershave perfume. And as you can see, it mainly attracts guys. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember um, I did a tasting once and uh, we had an old grain whiskey. And uh, one of the ladies said, oh, I really like this aroma and I would wear this as perfume. So I winked to her husband which is unusual. Normally I would wink to the wife. Uh, wink to the husband and say, look, this is a perfect Christmas gift. Because if you know what a bottle of perfume costs just for uh, 100 mils, and here you've got seven times as much. Uh, for that price, uh, she can really smell nicely and he can drink the, from the bottle. Uh, so a perfect Christmas gift. Well, right on. Well, you guys, so Old Particular is the name of the brand. New to the market. So some really beautiful single malts and single grain whiskeys. Really limited release. That last, the 20-year-old Bomar is less than 400 bottles. 374 bottles. 274 yeah. bottles. So Old Particular. It's been an amazing time for, for us because export has been amazing because the pound is quite low. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, beautiful. One good thing of Brexit. And this is only five marks. You guys have how many expressions now? Nine. Nine. So this is only part of the line. Well, yeah. at the moment, we are discussing the, the, the next uh, releases that will come out over the next two or three months, I guess. So sa samples are on their way from Scotland or are already here. Well, wonderful. Well, you guys, let's give it up for Jan Becker from Old Particular. Thank you. And Pedro, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. <laughs>